Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, a weekly conversation filled with stories of business, financial literacy, careers, leadership, and resilience. Setting and achieving goals is key, whether they are related to your finances, business, or career. I hope to empower you with these conversations no matter where you are in life. I'm your host, Angel Radcliffe, and on this show, get ready to change your mindset and start your journey to achieve your lifelong goals. So if you need a little motivation to start your day or jumpstart your next project, tune in and be sure to join our community online at milestonesmotivationmoney.com. Jeff Brown, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Angel. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here and share all of the information that you have in regards to web design and websites and the World Wide Web. <laughs> well, I'll be as helpful as I can. Well, you know, a little we, we heard a little bit about you in the intro and you're a small business owner. Of course, people may want to know a little bit more where you're from. How did you get into what you're doing? So do you mind sharing and letting people know a little bit more about you? Sure. So I've always been interested in computers and technology in general. I've always been drawn to computers since I was younger. I was building computers, learning about them in high school and making websites here and there for family and friends and such. But it wasn't until much later that I actually decided to make my own company and do this professionally. So that's when I created Frobro Web Technologies, started out with web design, but quickly expanded because, you know, when a business wants a website, what they really want is more customers. So even if the website looks good, which is, you know, I made good websites, they wanted it to actually, you know, people need to find it. It doesn't matter how good it looks if nobody ever sees it. So I added in hosting and maintenance, SEO and ads, all the things that go with a website that help you actually leverage it and turn it into an asset for your business instead of having it just be something that sits there. As I can give you a little insight on the name too. I have an afro. You can't see it right now, but I grew my hair out in high school because my mom had been telling me to. When I was younger, I always had a crew cut, so I didn't even know my hair was curly. But when I finally grew it out, I discovered I had a fro and people noticed it. People liked it. And you know, I'd be walking in the hallway and high school and there are people that reach out and touch it. I don't know who they are. So it was attracting attention and got me noticed. And I find that there's a parallel there with websites because a good website makes you stand out from the crowd. People notice it, it grabs attention. And so the fro can, what it did for me, you know, I want to do the same thing for business owners with their websites. So that's how that name came about. Very interesting. And, you know, when I first saw your, saw your photo, I was like, okay, wow, very interesting look. But you, you think back, of course, you know, when you're thinking about an Afro, we think back to the 70s. And I don't know, we both may be too young to to remember that era. But, <laughs> but you know, there is a very popular artist, Bob Ross, not sure if you're oh, familiar. Yes. And oh, yes. yeah, he definitely made Afros <laughs> very popular. <laughs> One of the many people that made Afros very popular. But you think back to that particular time period and, you know, some people are like, wait a minute, I want to get my hair like this. <laughs> it's a fun hairstyle and people remember it too. Right, right. Now, you know, you mentioned a few other components of, of what you're offering aside from web design. And we'll get into that a little bit later because I know some of those terms may have just went over other people's heads. Well, one specifically, okay. but, you know, when you think about 
your craft and building websites, I want you to think back to the first time that you ever did it. Do you remember the first platform that you built a site on? Oh, well, I hand-coded a couple of HTML websites a long time ago, but then I started learning other platforms like Dreamweaver, which is also a very long time ago. Things have come a long way. WordPress as a platform has evolved quite a lot and has become very powerful. And that's actually the tool I use now for my websites. It's very flexible. It can be used for an individual portfolio site or a painter or somebody like Bob Ross or a business owner who is selling services or needing to schedule clients. You can have a member's portal area. So anything you need it to do, you can use WordPress for. You can scale it up to handle a lot of visitors and add as much functionality as you need. So that's where I'm at now as I use WordPress as a platform, but it helps knowing the underlying technologies like HTML and CSS, because occasionally I do still need to go in there and tweak things, but now it's not all as you know detailed and tedious hand coding. Thank you so much for the details there. So just to let people know that you're not talking about like getting started out on MySpace <laughs> years ago, a lot of people built their MySpace site and they're like, wait a minute, I'm doing web design now. It, now when it, I say <laughs> creating a website... <laughs> I mean, actually creating one from scratch. So yes, I had a Zanga blog. You know, I remember all those GeoCity sites and, and all that too, but right. we've, we've moved beyond that now. <laughs> I know so many people learn to code and learn some HTML from, from WordPress and some of those other sites. I can't remember all of them, but you know, in your opinion, what makes a great website? Well, I'd say my, I have a question because it depends on what you're using the website for. So yes, there are some general principles you want to adhere to regardless of what the site is. So I'll start with that. I'll say you don't want it to be too cluttered. It needs to look visually clean and interesting, but it also needs to be helpful. So that might look very different for you know, an individual person versus a large corporation. And it takes a lot of intentional thought when it comes to what you're going to put on that page, the messaging, what menu items you're going to choose, the colors you know, all that plays into it. So it's not so much what is the right color or the right layout, because it really depends what you're trying to accomplish. So if you can get clear first on what the goal is of your website, then you can make a website that reaches those goals. And that I would say is a good website, is one that does what it was intended to do. I know that's, that's very general and it's dependent upon the site. So I'm, I'm definitely glad that you brought up that there are different types of sites and I want to actually get into that because, you know, small businesses, of course, have a website, big businesses, but there are people that have websites, they have blogs, some people have some sort of retail or e-commerce site. I've seen people start a site specifically just to house their resume or their portfolio. And so one of the sites that I had years ago was a membership website, and those are very unique. So I know you know, having different components to, to build it up looks different depending on those types of sites. And, you know, other than what I already mentioned, what are some, what are some other sites that you've seen or other types of sites that we should be aware of? Well, some examples I can think of, if you're an artist of some kind, whether you're a photographer or painter or something, you can usually take a lot more creative license with the layout of your website because people are actually looking at that as a reflection of your capability as an artist. If you just have a basic blocky website and you're supposed to be this you know, creative individual, people might question 
how good you actually are, even if websites aren't your medium. You know, painting could be your thing, but if you still have a boring website, it might give people pause. Whereas if you are a Fortune 500 company, you're not going to stray too far from something that's clean and, you know, contemporary, but it's not going to go too far outside the box. It's going to be efficient and be organized, but you're going to look at it and you're going to initially, you know, immediately feel that, okay, this is a company that knows what they're doing. They're established. You can tell that they've been around the block, right? So those would be some very contrasting types of sites. And then of course there's blogs that people can do whatever they want with their own personal blogs because it's not there's they're not trying to get an ROI on it most of the most of the time they're just posting whatever they feel like people will follow them if they like the content that they share or their poems or their pictures but it's different when you have a business website where you actually have metrics that you're trying to accomplish and if you're taking sales through your website your website needs to breed confidence at multiple levels. People need to think, okay, this looks like a secure site that I'd be comfortable typing my credit card into. And they're looking for the little lock in the top address bar to see that it's a secure site. They might be looking for the VeriSign logo at the checkout page. Some, there's all these little minor clues that people pick up on that say, okay, this is a trustworthy site. And, and those play a big role in business sites and not so much on personal sites. Did, did I answer the question? You did. So a a lot of different components and appreciate that. I'm sure people will find that very valuable. So earlier you mentioned, you know, other components of things that you offer to help someone maintain their site. And you talked about SEO. There's someone that's listening that has no idea what SEO is. So can you give us some, some context there and what does that actually mean? Absolutely. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. Now, anybody in the world can make a website hosted on a server somewhere. And as long as it's publicly available on you know, the World Wide Web, Google or and these other search engines will find it and index it. And that just means they're putting it in their list of websites that they know about so that when somebody searches for you know, curly hairstylists in Lake Forest, then Google says, oh, I know a website about that. Here you go. And it gives you those results. That's what we see on the Google search results page. Now, if you want your, your site to be found, you need to do a couple things to number one, make it easier for Google and the other search engines to find you. And then number two, to help those search engines understand what your site is about. So it knows when to show your site to people. And third, demonstrate to Google that your site is authoritative in those areas so that you should be ranked above other similar sites when someone is searching for something relevant. Now, I know there's other components, like you mentioned ads, and I think it'd be very interesting to go into that, but I've heard about like tags or meta, and can you give some insight as what what does all that mean when someone has a site? Like, what is meta? (laughs) Not Facebook, not the new Facebook. Not the new Facebook. (laughs) Well, so I, I just described SEO at a very high level. So if we want to get into some of the details, there are things called meta tags on a website. Now, these are, if you look at the actual HTML code for a page, you'll see those tags. It's not something that shows up on the normal display for a website, but it is there. So the search engines see it, and anybody that wanted to look at the code could see it. These give additional information to the search engines, and it helps provide the context that they need in order to understand your website. There's header tags. Those serve dual purposes. So they serve a design purpose 
because you can create styles that adjust how your headers look based on if it's a H2 tag, H3, H4, different size headers. You might notice the H1 is the biggest and boldest usually, and the others get smaller. But Google also looks at the H1 tag as an important indicator of what this page is about, because that's usually what is used as the title on that page. So this is your contact page. It's usually just contact or contact us, something like that or about, or home, whatever it is, you're telling Google, this is what this page is about. Google also looks at the H2 and H3 tags and so forth to figure out what each section is about and is looking for keywords so it can understand your content. There's also a title tag that's very important for every page because again, that's what Google's looking at to understand what you want to be ranked for. So on a Google search results page, you see all the different entries of the results it's giving you. The first line that's usually in blue with the name of the website, that comes directly from your title tag. So many times it will say, home, Bob's air conditioning, home, Jim's gardening. And there's millions of websites that just say home. That's a missed opportunity. So if you're a business owner right now, go look at your website. If your homepage just says home in the title, change it to something that's relevant to you. So maybe something like air conditioning repair in Lake Forest, Bob's air conditioning, something like that. Now you're telling Google, this is what I want to rank for, and it'll better understand what your page is about. That's a quick win for SEO. There's, there's a bunch of technical bits of SEO that you can do and little things like that. There's on-page SEO, we call it, when you're changing things on the actual page, you know, the keywords in your title tag and your header and all that. And then there's off-page SEO, and that refers to the authority building that I mentioned earlier when you're trying to get other sites to link back to you, we call those backlinks. Google keeps track of that, which websites link to each other and which pages, because that's another indicator for Google that, okay, I know what the content is about, but now I know that other people like this content, which means it's probably good. So maybe I should show it to people when they search for it. That's a very great explanation as far as how that works, because I know you know, for someone who has tried to work on, on websites on different platforms, and then you start seeing all this interesting information, like, what does this mean? And some people will just leave it blank. And of course, great ways for to help people find your site. Now, um, other than like the tags and the meta, like what are other ways to attract traffic to the site? And I know you mentioned SEO. Are there other, those are just the main ways or are there other ways that people can attract traffic? Oh, there's, there's lots of ways. SEO is one way. The nice thing about SEO is that once you've done these things, done the technical bits, and then built up your authority over time, your ranking will stay pretty consistent as long as there aren't new competitors coming into the space. So it's one of those things that might take a little bit of time up front, but then it pays off over time. There are, of course, ads. There are many different types of ads that you can run to get people to your site. Uh, there's Facebook ads, there's Google ads, Instagram ads, TikTok ads. That's just the social media ads. You can still run ads in traditional print media too, in a magazine that gets sent to people's house. You, know, you can do a radio ad and put your website in there. I, I think of your website as the hub of all your branding and marketing efforts because everything points back to it. It's on your business card. It's in your email signature. It's in these ads that you're running. And so you need to make sure that your website is done well and you know what it's supposed to do because then you can check if it's actually doing its job. If it's converting visitors into customers, is it getting them to sign up for your newsletter? What do you want it to do, right? But so we talked about SEO as a way to get people to your site, ads, all kinds of ads. 
there's also just manual outreach. If you try to connect with people on LinkedIn or Facebook, start talking to them, finding people that might fit your target demographic, inviting them to visit your website, maybe have a free giveaway. Yeah, I don't know if you want to dive into any of those more specifically, but. Now, I'm pretty sure that you've probably met business owners, small business owners who don't have a website. Yes. I know I have. I know I have. And, and and oftentimes I've run into people who never even had a business card, but I know nowadays you can do so many different, different things aside from carrying a business card, but you know, a website, it's like, how do you even get people to learn more about what you're offering if you don't have a site? And when I have those conversations with people, typically it comes down to a cost issue of hiring someone to, to build a site. Now for someone who is kind of struggling and they're bootstrapping their business and they haven't really built up the funds to pay a web designer, what advice would you have for someone just to get their business out there and like on the web? I'd say you need something. So even if you can't afford a professional agency to build your site right out of the gate, use one of the free page builders that you get when you register your domain name, whether that's GoDaddy or Westhost, Bluehost, they usually have some option for a cheap or free template website that you can update a few things. And at least now you have a web presence. I would encourage you not to stay there forever. You know, So once you've gotten a little more established and built up some funds in the business, redo it to make it even better. But it's better to have a website than to not have a website. It used to be that you could get along without one. And some people still try to do that today. But more and more, customers and businesses, before they hire anyone, they're going to check the website. And it goes back to those cues that we were talking about earlier. People are wanting to know, are you some fly-by-night organization that's going to disappear tomorrow after I make my first payment? Or are you here for the long haul? Have you been in business for a long time? Are you involved in the community? You know, all these things, they want to feel good about hiring you and working with you. So a website is your chance to do that, to make that a good first impression, to earn their trust, show them that you're legitimate. Even if it's not the best website, if you don't have one, there's some people that just immediately move on to the next person on the list. They just won't hire you. If you don't take the time to build a website, you clearly don't care about your business. That, that's almost the mentality of a lot of people. So I'd say get a website, even if it's not perfect. Those are great points, Jeff. And you know, from, from my side, coming from the financial side and working with small business owners, a, another key reason is really obtaining some sort of business credit, business financing, because many times lenders will ask for the website. They'll ask for a business phone number, they'll ask for a website. And and I've seen people be denied grants or, you know, they can't move forward with the process because they don't have a website to put on their application, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, really insane. But, you know, I know we we just shared, or you just shared some tips rather for someone who, who can't necessarily bear that upfront cost of hiring a web designer give me some ranges. And I know this, this actually may not be an absolute response just due to the different types of sites, but let's say for the average small business owner, how much should someone expect to pay to, to have a a website built? Yeah, that's hard because there is such big range, but I'll try to give you as best of an answer as I can. So if you're hiring a web design agency, Probably on the lower end, you're going to be in the three to $5,000 range for a professional website. You might be able to find a freelancer that'll do it a little cheaper, but usually the difference between an agency and you know a single freelancer is the agency is going to have separate people doing the different tasks. So they'll have a graphic designer, they'll have a copywriter, they'll have an SEO expert, 
and they'll have people who can optimize the performance of that website to make sure it loads fast. A freelancer might be able to dabble in each of those areas and get you a decent site, but having an agency do it and paying a little more, you're going to get a better quality site than you would otherwise. Now, website costs can go higher than that. It, it a lot of times comes down to what you need the website to do. So if it's a standard business website with mostly information and maybe a simple contact form, that's where you're in that lower end of you know three to 5,000. It's not too complicated, but as soon as you add additional functionality, it goes up from there. So some examples might be if you want to have patient intake forms on your website, those have to be done a certain way. You got to be able to accept signatures. You got to have HIPAA compliant forms on the site. If you want to have a member login with courses or other material that's not visible to the public and manage your users that way, that's additional functionality. If you want to run an e-commerce store outside or you know through your WordPress business website, Again, that's all functionality and time and configuration that needs to go into that website. So your site could go up to $10,000 or in, in some cases more if it's a, a huge site. But I hopefully that gives a, an idea of the range. Most people would probably be at the you know, $5,000 range for a, a typical small business. And you mentioned more of maintenance. So of course, websites need some sort of upkeep and you have to you know, update the plugins and do some different things. Like what other type of upkeep would a site need? Well, that's, that's an important one. So I'll start there with the plugins updates and the theme updates. A lot of people wonder why, if you don't do those updates, your site will keep working for a while. Problem is you don't know for how long. And I know that's a weird answer, but it's because other technologies change that those things depend on and also other requirements change. So sometimes, you know, the hosting provider decides to upgrade their PHP version. And PHP is the language that WordPress runs on. So if they upgrade their PHP version, it maybe it removes support for some of the function calls that your old version was using. And so if you haven't kept up to date with your plugins, then they're now going to break. And that's a problem, obviously, because now you've got to cite this down, you've got to go and figure out what's wrong. And it's, of course, a pain and you can actually be losing business while your site is down. So that's why updates are important. Well, that's one of the reasons updates are important. Another is security, because over time, if you are using an older plugin, hackers can find vulnerabilities and they use those to exploit websites, especially if you're on a platform like WordPress that powers at least a third of the websites on the Internet. It's an attractive target for those hackers to spend some time finding exploits because they can just go down the list of websites and they're likely to find someone whose plugins are out of date. And now they're gaining access to your servers and then using it for nefarious means, right? So there's the update side of things. Of course, security scans are always good to make sure your maintenance or hosting provider is doing that for you to make sure you haven't already been hacked because you want to find out when you've been hacked or not, because sometimes you don't find out about it right away unless you're doing regular scans. You want to make sure your site's being backed up regularly. You want to make sure that you're keeping track of analytics on your site. And that, that includes all the statistics about how many people are visiting your site, the load time of your site. And this is important because if your business is growing and you're noticing that your load times are increasing, that might be it's sign that it's time to increase your server resources so that it can better handle the larger number of visitors coming to your site. So it's more about just making sure your site is functioning well and is a healthy site that's not just making people angry because they're sitting there watching the spinning wheel. Yeah, so all those things that go into that. Plus, you want someone to be able to call 
when you have a question or if you need something tweaked and you're not sure how to do it, content updates, sure, you can do that yourself. But if you decide I want to add some functionality or have somebody look at something, you need someone to do that for you, then it's good to have a maintenance plan with someone on call who can answer those questions or fix those issues. Those are some of the important ones. I mean, there's there's always little more, more little ones we can get into, but hopefully that answers the main question. It does. And, you know, you mentioned security from a different standpoint, but, you know, one thing that I've often heard with entrepreneurs is, you know, their fear of sharing their site credentials with someone. I've heard some stories of people wiping out sites or some people holding the sites for some sort of ransom. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, you know, why, what would make people feel more comfortable in sharing that information? Or I, I suppose that, you know, people should also do like vetting of the person they're going to hand over their, their site credentials to as well. But, you know, what, what would you tell consumers and business owners before they hand over those credentials? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. So there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, yes, vet the person you're working with, but even beyond that, most platforms have a way of creating sub-accounts or contractor logins. They call them different things. You should always have your own admin or super admin account on your website that is tied to your personal email. Ideally, you would not be sharing your username and password to your super admin account. You should be creating an additional account, even if it is a regular admin account. Create a separate account for that person. Give them that login. In GoDaddy, there's something called delegate access. So you can grant someone delegate access to your account and decide what they have access to. So you can say, I only want this person to have access to my domain or email settings. In some cases, you know, you could add billing if it's a trusted person, but that way you're limiting what they have access to, which domains they have access to, and you still retain the power to kick them off if they misbehave. So it's called different things on different platforms, but there's almost always a way to invite an additional team member with their own account that has additional roles and permissions that you can specify that doesn't give them your own personal login. So even if it takes a few extra minutes to read the help docs to figure out how to do it, it's worth it because you're not putting yourself at as big of a risk. So that would be my my first big instruction to, to follow for security in terms of sharing your credentials. Don't do it, give them their own. Sorry, I'm just kind of ranting on this a little bit because there are other times when a third-party application might want to integrate with your site. And it's always better to use API keys or a token that you've created for that access rather than your personal login credentials. And again, that might require reading to understand how that works. You might have to go into the settings and generate an API key, but don't be intimidated by that if you're not a technical person. Give it a try. And if not, you know, ask someone you know and trust who's trustworthy to help you do that. Because at the end of the day, if you give away your username and password, it's that's you're almost always going to be screwing yourself. Hopefully you're working with a trustworthy person. But if you do it through the proper channels that have been set up for this, then you're going to be protecting yourself much better. Great advice. And, you know, some people never really think about that, about vetting the person that they're hiring or even understanding this delegation access. I know I never knew about it and I don't consider myself any expert by any means, but 
definitely done some research over the years and I'm like, wait a minute, I've never heard about delegating access. Yeah. And Um, you should always own your own things. That's another way to think about it, right? So you register a domain, you should own it in your account. Yes, you can give someone access to tweak the settings, but you should own it. You should always have access to the email account tied to that main account that you've created. Definitely love it. So, you know, Jeff, I know we're getting to the end of the show and I always have a question I like to ask my guests. <laughs> You've probably heard it on a previous episode, but a part of my brand is the phrase balling on a budget. Have you heard that term before? I have heard it. It's a great phrase. It's been out for many years. And when you hear the phrase balling on a budget, what does that mean to you? Well, when it comes to websites, it means you've got yourself an awesome website at great price. So in some cases, if you're tech savvy enough, you could do that yourself. Or if you found a freelancer that's really good and they don't charge too much, maybe they're early on in their career and they didn't realize they can raise higher prices yet. That's probably how that would work. But yeah, as this goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, it's better to have a website than not to have one. So Balling on a budget might not mean you've got the fanciest website, but you're doing something and moving in that direction. You know, balls are always rolling, right? So if if you're not making any changes or improvements and you're just hoping it'll change down the road, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you start that ball rolling with the free version and then upgrade later when you got a bigger marketing budget, you know, over time, your site is going to be an actual baller website with all the bells and whistles that you need. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Now, you know, back to your your business, Bro Bro, you've given some really great information and provided value throughout this show. Um, you mentioned some of the services that you offered early on in the beginning. Give us one reason why small business owners and consumers should reach out to you. Well, I've been doing this so I can help spare you the time and headache of figuring out a lot of this for yourself. So... On the one hand, having a website feels simple because, oh, I'll just slap it up there with a Wix or Squarespace or something. And like I said, that's a good place to start. But there's a lot of things you're overlooking and not thinking about that go on beneath, you know, behind the curtains or underneath the hood, whatever you want to say. It's There's the performance aspect. If you don't know how to optimize your site to load quickly for your customers, you might be causing them frustration. A lot of people don't stick around. They'll go somewhere else. If you don't know how to optimize it for SEO, you're losing out on potential organic traffic from when people are searching for your services. So basically by working with me, you're getting all of my experience and my team's experience that we have from doing countless business websites over the years. And you're getting that at a reasonable price. So it's really a bargain because you're going to be saving a lot of time and effort and probably all the hair that you pulled out too. Awesome. Awesome. Now, where can listeners find you online? You can go to frobro.com, F-R-O-B-R-O.com. You search on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm there as well, Frobro Web Technologies. And if you go to frobro.com, you can sign up for a free call. I'll do a consultation with you. We'll look at your website together. I can give you some pointers that you can go implement yourself if you're not ready to hire me. And if you tell me that you listen to this podcast, I'll give you $100 off any SEO package. And basically my goal is to help people out I want to rid the world of terrible websites. So if I can do that by giving you tips one-on-one, I'll do that. If I can do that by building your site for you, I'll absolutely do that. So 
that's a great deal. 100 bucks off. So definitely tune in and see how Jeff can help you venture on over to his website. Jeff, any last words for listeners today? I'd just say, don't ignore your website. I know it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of running your business, but it's important to set aside some time to make sure you're not just treating the website as another checkbox that you have that, oh yeah, I've got a website. It's fine. You need to spend some time looking at it and seeing if it's actually doing what it should be doing. Is it bringing people to your business? Is it turning those people into customers? Is it an active contributing member of your business? Is it, is it a contributing asset or is it just sitting there draining your expense account each month for your hosting costs? So be intentional about it and make it awesome. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know any ideas you have for a future show topic. And if you really want to show us some love, share this episode with a friend and be sure to join our community online, milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at milestonesmotivationandmoney. Tune in next time.